You are flying with Pod Squadron Podcast. All wings report in. Pod Pirates standing by. Pod, uh, oh shoot, what's my name? Pod <laughs> Tracer, Pod Tracer standing by. <laughs> uh, we're flying by the seat of our pants this week. Pod Patine standing by. <laughs> Ooh, that was a rough please. landing, but it. <laughs> All ships to attack formation, mission objectives to talk about the full scope of the Star Wars experience from movies, TV shows, animation, games, comics, books, themed experiences, merch, and your art and inspiration from the galaxy far, far away. In today's flight plan includes Star Wars The High Republic, Light of the Jedi by Charles Souls, Part 2, Chapters 19 through 35, and our guest for the evening, filmmaker and animator Raymond Montemayor, creator of Star Wars Toy Stories. And for all of you out there, all comm channels are open. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Find us on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Hit the L the bell. The L icon? <laughs> bell icon. <laughs> So you know when we have new content. But first, I am your squad leader for the day. I'm Andy Lowe, a.k.a. the Chinese Pirate, director, storyteller, puppeteer, performer, and fight choreographer. On my wing is Tracy. Writer, blogger, and occasional cosplay artist, though not for like a year. Uh, I am <laughs> the one and only hot nerd girl. And on my other wing, Lexi. Hey guys, uh, performance artist, art department gremlin, aerialist, and uh, you guys can find me, uh, find my projects at Feral Geek Aesthetic on Ooh. Instagram. Hey. <gasps> That's very exciting. That's what my old account got changed to, the thing that used to be like my performance thing. I was like, I'm going to put up a bunch of the visual stuff that I've done and repost things that like my friends have done that I find really cool. And it's, cool. it's like literally an excuse for it to just be fandom soup. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are just one squad in the fleet. We're as part of the Geekish Network. That's twitch.tv backslash Geekish Network. And don't forget our auxiliary support ships from Digital Click Marketing as we build and expand. As foils to attack positions, we're going in. Welcome, everyone. Uh, good good evening. Uh, we are here once again. Uh, what's the news around the galaxy? Let's see what you got. Okay, so back in January, I started reading the uh, Timothy Zahn Thrawn series. So I'm really excited for Thrawn Ascendancy Greater Good, which is upcoming soon. I wrote down, I'm so bad with dates, it's April 27th is the release date for that. Yeah, so cool. if you are a Thrawn fan and if you haven't read any of his books uh and but you have seen him in the clone wars definitely check those out the writing is excellent uh i would argue that it takes him from being like uh some kind of arch villain to actually being an anti-hero like they're really well written so this is a this is a trilogy, right? The the Tron Ascendancy trilogy, uh, uh, and this is the second book in that series. What yeah. was the what was the first one about? Roughly, uh, like your elevator pitch. Elevator pitch. Uh, it's so hard. Okay. Uh, Way to put her on the spot, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I didn't realize I was going to be elevator pitching the first one. <laughs> like a month and a half since I've read the book. Uh, well, like where, where in the timeline is it? Is it, uh, is it like after the empire fall of the empire? Is it, uh, like before when he's still with the just ascendancy or. So the first one is chaos rising. 
Hold up. That's not the one that I actually read, though. Oh, really? Okay. So, you know, it's not the one that I actually read. Oh, um, so you you read you read um, one of the older uh, uh, trilogies? Yeah, I read or? one of the older ones just to kind of get a feel for the writing because Got I it. Uh, right. So basically, what it what it says it's about is kind of like murmurs of like civil unrest and political schisms within the Chiss ascendancy, which is like Thrawn's people. Right. So this might be actually before he joins the. Uh... What sends him out to? I'm guessing it'll probably explain to us why. Um, why yeah, he? I think I, I think I read one of the ones, uh, one of the previous ones, the one where he, where you 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 learn when uh, when Thrawn meets Anakin Skywalker the first time, mm -hmm. and also implying that uh, uh, Thrawn, of course, knows the true identity of Darth Vader. But uh, yeah, which was a good read. I enjoyed that it, one. It's really interesting because in the novel I read, they do also imply that because he asks you know did um did did anakin skywalker survive the war and he's told no and then he gets introduced to darth vader and he doesn't <laughs> say anything but his character is so damn smart it's hard for me not to imagine that he's just strategically sitting on that being like okay you aren't gonna tell me i'm just gonna <laughs> continue to confirm my suspicions quietly like i mean like he's gotta know <laughs> he's just—he's one of those characters where if because you're like, he's oh, no way he, knows. like he probably he probably fucked. of course he knows. Um, um, speaking of knowing, uh, Tracy, what do you know that's <gasps> new in the news of the Star Wars world and universe? I am glad that I know this because I have not read any of the Thon Thrawn books. But <laughs> if you were a Game of Thrones fan. And you remember Alaria Sand, who gave the lovely kiss of kiss of death to people, mo mo namely Jamie. And is this spoilers at this point? No, this isn't. I mean, spoilers, right? Eh. Like you should know by now, or, or have watched it by now. But um, Jamie and Cersei's uh, kids, she like gave a kiss of death to the the girl, like the <laughs> one good one. But. Um, okay. I remember her, the little, little cinnamon blondie girl. I know, she was so cute. Um, but the actress's name is Adira Varma. Indira Varma. I really hope I'm not mispronouncing that. <laughs> but she is going to be a part of the cast in the new Obi-Wan series. Ooh. And they are thinking that she might play Satine, who is the Duchess of Mandalore, right? She's the older sister of Bo-Katan. We well, that's see. that's purely speculation at this point, right? Like, they haven't actually announced... It's speculation, uh... but, <laughs> but... But she got some cheekbones, is what you're saying. <laughs> it would be amazing if that's who she was playing, because poor... Ewan McGregor lost Satine in Moulin Rouge. If he loses Satine in his Obi-Wan series, that would just right. be so, like so full circle, right? Continuing to mull over her death from in, during I don't know the how Wars, I feel yeah. about that. I don't know if I'm ready to go on that ride again. <laughs> well, we will be going on that ride because uh, for next week's show, we're actually going to continue our Clone Wars rewatch, and we'll be covering that very story, uh, yeah, the right story of uh, the, uh, the 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 Duchess of uh, the Duchess of Mandalore. So that's Are a three-story arc. Purpose? 
I am doing that on purpose because we've been doing so well uh, talking about Ahsoka and looking at the different ways our favorite Jedi uh, have been dealing with attachments. And uh, I thought it'd be a nice way to kind of round it off after we've met Lux Bonteri to see how Obi-Wan dealt with with, uh, Satine. So we'll get to that later on. And we did see Satine in the episode the the season four episode right where we did yes where she he was, goes uh, and tries to get himself arrested right 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 um yeah so that'll be fun we'll talk more about that uh, towards the end of the episode and what to watch and what that particular uh, watch list is uh one more p- bit of news um if in case you've been under a rock uh uh the, the this is like a weekend of releases like there are so many crazy releases of course wandavision just dropped the uh the uh the 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 season finale uh for that show as well as of course coming to america 2 just dropped and uh disney plus uh just released uh raya and the last dragon the latest uh release from feature release from disney animation which stars uh the rose tico actress Kelly Marie Tran, and uh, that is out there on Disney Plus. I have not seen it yet. I'm hoping to ca- catch it tomorrow, but um, it is available on D- Disney Plus as a premium offer. So you do have to pay an additional thirty dollars to see it, which some may or may not want to do. I personally, I am a big animation nerd, and so I'm I'm thinking I might hit a drive-in because uh, there are a few drive-ins here in LA that um uh um. Wait, Andy, since I use your Disney Plus, does that mean that if I spring for it, it gets charged to you? (laughs) Just kidding. They're totally legal about that. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Um, But yeah, do check that out. Um, It's getting great reviews. Uh, 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 and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, buzz about it. Um, you know, of course, from my perspective, it's great to see so many uh, so many Asian American actors that are uh, featured in this film. Uh, and also, of course, a discussion that needs to, be, to happen about representation of Southeast Asian actors, not just East Asian, because it's a whole continent, y'all. But just saying. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, that's our news from around the galaxy. Shall we get into uh, some of the meat of the night? All right. Are we I mean, talking? I'm a vegetarian, but sure. Fair enough. The Vegemite. The portobello mm. steak. The portobello steak. That's much oh, better. That's, that's, <laughs> that's much more pleasant. Okay. The Morning Star veggie sausage of the evening. <laughs> Uh, so tonight we are coming back to our Star Wars High Republic book club. We are now covering part two of Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. Uh, this is chapters 19 through 35. If you are worried about spoilers, uh, be aware uh, that we will be talking about this for the next uh, 25, 30 minutes, maybe. Uh, so uh, you can either kind of mute us for now if you don't want spoilers, or if you're uh, you're 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 more about just kind of hearing what the what the the ins and outs of the of the book are, and uh, you might decide whether or not you want to uh, read afterwards. Feel free to do so. Uh, but we're going to get talking and also join us in the chat um, so that we know what you're thinking, what your questions, what your feelings were on this part of the book. Uh, so with no further ado, let's get started. All right. I need I, I need my like overture here when I do these. It's like it just feels so 
into into nothingness. But after a daring multi-pronged rescue mission, the Republic is in shock. Chancellor Lena So has called for a lockdown on all hyperspace travel into the Outer Rim, many uh, leaving many without supplies or trade. In this desperate hour, she turns to the Jedi Knights to find the truth behind the legacy-run disaster. On Hetzal Prime, Elzar Mann assists an ingenious feat of computing using over 57,000 Navidroids linked on a computing array to calculate and predict future emergences of the wreckage of the legacy run. Meanwhile, the sinister Martian Roth, the Eye of the Nihil, plots with his collaborators utilizing their own nefarious resources to predict further emergences with the motive to use them for profit. Nihil leaders Pan Eta, Lorna D, and Kasav Miliko set on each of their respective tasks that will set them head on head to head against some of the most noble Jedi Knights, such as Loden Greystone, Porter Angle, Te-Ami, Te yeah, that's so weird to pronounce. Te-Ami, <laughs> Mikhail Sudmani, and many other heroes of the Republic. But with lives hanging in the balance and mysteries to uncover, the galaxy hangs in the balance between those who would bring order and those who crave to profit from chaos. Dun, dun, dun. All right. All right. I'm done. Take it away, Lexi. <laughs> All right. So part two. Yeah, there are a lot of characters. I'm 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 in chat right now. Uh, there's definitely there are a lot of characters. I what when I was reading this, that was one of the reasons why we were talking before the show about uh, who's listening to it on audiobooks and who's reading it. And I was like, I had to I had to actually read it, and uh, I I had to pull up like a separate window, and I would look up a character if I didn't recognize it so that I would have like a visual picture of them because <laughs> I started to like lose track of who they were uh, but yeah actually it, it yeah. helped for me to um, to just like put a pad down and just every time I saw a new character was being featured just to write down their name just so I could kind of keep track you know Elzar Man is on Hetzel Prime <laughs> right or or Loden Greatstone is you know on uh uh Gosh, what planet was he on? Uh, Elfrona, right? <laughs> yeah. So that actually brings me to Elfrona. Is this not that this is not the first time that it's been mentioned? Oh, it really? actually, yeah. So it's actually mentioned first in the Rise of Kylo Ren comics, uh, and it happened oh. to be the site of the kidnapping storyline in this High Republic book, which is like kind of a, a gnarly storyline and it ends up having uh implications further down the line for like the rest of the jedi order okay so i'm gonna leave it at, leave it at that uh, <laughs> you know it was like it was, it, this isn't one of like the episodic like at all but i mean that seems to be a charles soul thing so far and this is his first book i've read I was gonna say, yeah. Uh, was the was the Kylo Ren comic series was that a, a Charles Soule uh, uh, project as well? I should know that, but <laughs> I don't. But I can find out. Hmm. No, no rush. It was just just a, a side question. But let's let's keep going on on talking about. Yes, the book. it is. Oh, it is. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Authors have their favorite planets, clearly. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, you made it, might as well use it. <laughs> so we have Elthrona, which is first mission in the kit, and a couple of new locations. Uh, I, I love the names of the ships. Uh, the Jedi ships in this particular era have some really cool names. So you've got the medical frigate, which you've got the uh, the Wookiee Padawan Burry, who he's on the medical ship. And that's called the Panacea, and the name for that means a universal cure. So that's kind oh. of yeah. What, in, in in what language? Um, Gosh, Andy. It's English, but I don't know what the etymology is. I think it might be Greek. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's always kind of interesting how you can see like. Yes, it little, is. She, yes, Greek goddess. Li like little bits of familiar language kind of informing mm -hmm. things, right? I mean, like, obviously, like like the, the, the cheesy ones were like um, the planet Octo was just came yeah, from eight. Act Two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then right. Acto, uh, Acto. Oh. another another really cool one with kind of some like Greek or Latin roots is the Ataraxia, which is Doromali's ship, and it means a state of serene calmness. So like that's mm. very very Jedi order, you know, uh, yeah, very Jedi order stuff. Uh, also, I think we I don't know if we had talked about it when we first brought up the Nile and that their uh, name was kind of a reference to Nihilism. Right, mm -hmm. of course. <laughs> right, but then you get kind of a, you get even more of a lean into it when you get introduced to no space. Right, so that's really interesting. I'm not even sure what no space is referring to, but obviously it's it's a place, but it's like, I, I, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting title for a location. <laughs> yeah, it seems, it seems like it's some kind of, okay, so they use like hyperspace back roads, essentially. Right. And it seems kind of like they have a hyperspace unpaved kind of like lot staring that they can't, you know, that they've camped out in. A, a hyperspace what again? Like a, like a hyperspace camp. Wait, right? their, their, their camp of, isn't in hyperspace, though. No, it's it? not in hyperspace yeah. because, in they're no saying space. That because they're saying that everything that they do is adjacent to the hyperspace lanes. Uh, because of the 300-year-old weird lady. Who, so let's yeah. talk about uh, her. Spaces oh, yes. I am so curious about this Speaking character. of new characters, you know. So so yeah. particularly, they, they, they so first, okay, so they go to great lengths to introduce... Uh, Marlo and Velis Santeca of the Santeca clan. These and, and presumably these are ancestors of Lore Santeca, who we met in episode seven, right? Uh, apparently, the Santeca clan at this point they are hyperspace prospectors who are discovering new hyperspace lanes um, um, and therefore basically mapping the galaxy. They're like uh, the super rich people that live on Naboo or Naboo. Are they on Naboo? Or is it um, Alderaan? They're on Alderaan. Right, there was another right. scene that happened on Naboo. What happened on Naboo? You're right. Something happened I on Naboo. I forget that. 
And oh gosh, and then that's right. There's 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 a Gungan. There's a Gungan wet bubs, but we'll get to that later. Oh, that's right. I knew when he said Gungan, <laughs> I was trying to picture the Gungan, and I didn't even <laughs> think about Jar Jar. Okay, that's a fantastic yeah. name. But okay, but so 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 going back to Mari Senteca though. So Mari Senteca apparently, we don't even really know. They haven't really explained yet how she's related to the Santecas, right? But yeah, she's like 300 years old. Apparently I didn't even she's... Re- realize that they were related. She's a Santeca? Yeah, she's a yeah. Santeca. Uh, oh my and, God. And... Okay, during that part, I was in the middle of my bushes in my backyard. So <laughs> that's my excuse for that. So from what I gathered, she was basically raised in hyperspace. Here's my take on it. I think she's force sensitive. Yeah, And she's, she's never formally be. trained. But because she was a force sensitive child who grew up spending more time in hyperspace than with her feet on the ground, it literally probably changed the way she grew and the way her her mind developed and the way her connection to the force developed specifically that she became a pathfinder. Uh, Well, and and so somehow, though, she's ended up she's in the ship called the Gaze Electric, right? So here's here's what I remember best to the best of my like memory, piecing together knowledge is that she helped her family get successful and they kind of tried their best to keep it under wraps because they knew what an asset she was. But I think it was uh, Marcian Rowe's father who found out found about her, her. Right. Well, see, that's the question, right? Or Is grandfather. That, was, was, grandfather. She, yeah. was she wired up into the gaze electric by Marcian Rowe's father, or was she wired up into the ship by the Santeca clan way back and she just was sold off with the ship? I mean, that's like, you know. Oh, uh, or stolen. I don't, I don't stolen, think she yeah. was sold off ship i think she was kidnapped and then i think they kind of never gave her back it's so interesting because she's still like i mean obviously like like martian seems to like torture her a little bit but he also is like restrained like he's feels like he has to be nice to her uh but she's like you know she's like almost supportive of him it's like oh your little business you know but she gets confused operations. about who he is right like yes. sometimes yeah. she thinks it's her son sometimes she thinks it's her torturer sometimes she realizes who he is and remembers all the crazy secrets he's told her yeah it's all coming back to me now because the the husbands look at each other and they're like she can't possibly be alive can she when when the two right. Jedi, yeah right that's so i i think that yeah, so I think that what it was is that the family, like part of the reason that the family was so successful, made that first nest egg, and they made enough yeah. off of that and established themselves enough off of that that they were then able to hire a lot of people to make up for the fact that they didn't have her. Well, also, you know, it's it's also interesting, like in the in the chapter where they introduce Marlo and Veles, uh, syndrome, right? Um, it, that uh, it's interesting that they talk about how the Santecas are really wealthy because they are like opening up new uh, uh, hyperspace lanes or, or um, you know, introducing new trade routes or even charging tolls on some, some uh, 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 hyperspace lanes, which I was just like, that's, that's such an interesting, like, this is where we are in the galaxy at this point where there's still not a they're lot like, of ways to the outer rim. Apple. Yeah. It had this vibe, like how the Kennedys made all their money uh, during prohibition. So like, <laughs> bootlegging, you know, like that's kind of how like, the and but then they like became legitimate. 
but right. really like they became legitimate and were rich because of the not legitimate money. That's how it felt, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm be very curious to see how this how this element uh, uh, like plays out over time, right? I mean, because she is also kind of the reason why the Nihil have this this advantage. They're able to, you know, kind of appear out of nowhere, uh, seemingly just because of um, these these uh, you know unusual hyperspace lanes or or um, finding new leads it's uh it's interesting i pictured her like the 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 three um people in minority report that are in the 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 fluid the the precogs precogs that's kind of how i pictured her even though i feel like she's just in like a bed somewhere but like a really high tech yeah because she seems like a human computer right like she processes Mm -hmm. like like they're trying to do all these navidroids to process when things are going to happen but she's like oh here let me figure that out for you it's also interesting that this is like this is the structure of the the um like right now at this point we are discovering that the nihil have this um very shall we say democratic um structure right where the the their positions are um a strike a storm a tempest uh right varying degrees of weather patterns or or or, or uh, i don't know if democratic is well well it's it's marcian roe and he doesn't have any fighters or anything and he just supplies paths or plans right and then you have the three leaders of the different tempests that just basically kind of control the the various fleets right Maybe like a very loose confederacy. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, because I they mean, all- they do get a vote. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that Martian Road doesn't actually have, he's not really the leader at this point, right? Like, mm-hmm. they, the, between the, the four of them, between the I and the three uh, Tempest um, runners. But the reason I, the reason I, I wouldn't, still wouldn't call it a democracy is because like the, the buildings have like no say right. and they're basically can't fodder. You know who I picture when I picture Martian, what's his name? Martian row row is he, his voice. If you listen to the audiobook, his <laughs> voice sounds very similar to um, the German actor who's in Mandalorian, who's trying to get the child. Oh, um, Werner Herzog. Herzog. Yeah. So because his voice yeah. sounds almost exactly like his voice, it's that, that kind of, this is my, uh, I, I want the child. Mm-hmm. The child is very important to me. You know, it's like that, but, but I'm doing it wrong. That's, that's <laughs> a terrible impression, but it's that, it's that kind of like almost above a whisper mm-hmm. sound that that's all I can picture is Herzog, Herzog Warner. Right. That's his name. Um, right. You're listening to the audio. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but I just thought I was freezing for some. Mm. But I was fine. fine. Wait, Paul wants to know what I'm drinking. I'm drinking Newton's Folly semi dry cider. It's five percent alcohol by volume. Yummy. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, that's you. You gotta mute yourself. What? You have sirens. You gotta mute yourself during the sirens. Oh. So so do I don't know do they know about her it sounds like she is kind of a family secret yeah. you know 
it seems like she's kind of a family secret and they all kind of assumed she'd be gone by now. Uh, it's interesting to know that there is sort of an expiration date on his resources, you know? Right. Uh, that presumably she's going to die eventually. Right. Yeah, like he, talks, <laughs> he talks about having like a database of all of the thing of all of the paths, but apparently one of the really difficult things about all of these paths is that they, they do change. So, yeah. right. That's, that's what I was unsure. It's like, so is the idea that hyperspace is in flux or yeah. that these kind of back channels are, are specifically because they're like taking advantage of cracks or, you know, breaks in, in hyperspace or something. It, it seems to me like it's like ribbons that are kind of going like this or something. Right. And they're kind of always crossing each it other. Would, it would seem to me that if, if hyperspace is kind of like a, a river delta or you know like a series of rivers and waterways that sometimes you're going to get little side streams and channels and then depending on floods or droughts or things some of them will be impassable and you know i guess she can theoretically fit a freighter through a, a stream which mm. is like <laughs> which is why i'm like hello force user uh clearly or force sensitive at least well, so this is also how we kind of learn that uh, the disaster of the legacy run. Like, w did we know it was the, it was the, it was uh, they crashed with the with the Nihil? It was implied. It was implied. Yeah, it was implied. Right. And but then this is where we where we like it's confirmed now. At and least then, for us, the and then it kind of goes one step further and and shows that they like don't really have that much trust with or allegiance to each other like it's very tenuous because you see that they think that it was a mistake but martian Rowe planned on purpose for them to intercept right you know so he orchestrated it and he's got his own agenda going on which seems to have something to do with they 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 started to bring up the color purple. Um, Is that why you're wearing purple tonight? No, I just they, if I like <laughs> I, I think one of the first questions you guys asked me is like, oh, if you got if you had a lightsaber, what color would it be? And I was like, purple. No hesitation. <laughs> so, like purple's my purple's my go-to when I'm when I'm playing lights. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was interesting. And actually, I, I, I'm sitting over here going, oh, yeah, great. Do the Disney cop out. Make purple the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Disney, Mace it Windu Disney is it's, purple. it's green fire. Green yeah, fire so is the telltale like <laughs> evil. Huh? Green fire is the telltale evil in all Disney. Yes. Yeah, yes. but also, like, if you look at a lot of the villains, they also have purple. That's because it contrasts well against green fire. Yeah. So, and, and and I thought I thought that Star Wars was going to do that because of Mace Windu, but apparently, I don't know. Anyway, uh, uh, so we have about seven more minutes to talk about the book. Uh, so I want to get to a couple things. One of the things that I really enjoyed uh, was the first chapter when they introduced Chancellor Lena So, um, mm -hmm. and just her her vision of the of of the um, 
I almost said the empire, but of the Republic, right? Uh, this idea of this is kind of where we're seeing kind of the real um, the meat of, of the idea of this high Republic. Right. And um, I, I love this idea that, you know, this is this is they're coming up on the opening of the Starlight Beacon, which is uh, which is uh, uh, a, a space station, which is basically the anti-Death Star, right? But uh, that's that's the deadline that she's given for the Jedi, that we've got to figure out what happened with the legacy run, and we're going to close off cut, uh, hyperspace and hopefully have things up and running again before we uh, open the Star or, or unveil the, the, the Starlight Beacon. And as far as anti-Death Star, to just kind of go into a little bit more, like being a cultural exchange and trade center, right? Uh, you know, kind of a, a, a Republic embassy, yeah, a Republic embassy, complete with its own Jedi Temple on board. Yeah, um, its, yeah its own Jedi. It's like temple. the ivory tower mm-hmm. in Neverending Story, and it yeah. literally <laughs> boosts boosts calm signal in the outer rim as well. So it's like an it's a proving that the core worlds are investing in the outer rim, right? Uh, as a as kind of a political move on her part. I love uh, that. I, and, I don't know if there are any quotes that stood out to anybody, but at least. um, What you got? Yeah, British, Kevin's Crossing. I saw a great TikTok about villain voices in Star Wars. Make them British, more evil, more British. (laughs) Yeah, like accents. uh, And then they also kind of, they kind of queer code villains a lot, or at least they used to. They used to be kind of big on queer coding villains. So if you think of like, Jafar or King John from like Robin Hood. I know that's like reaching really far back. Uh, but you think of a lot of their villains and their villains are very like flamboyant and, hmm. you know, often have like purple and green and all of these like very like ostentatious colors. Uh, uh, Ursula straight up uh, drag. Right. You know, they, they had, they modeled her after divine. So like, I, I could, I could go on about that. That's, that's the whole thing. Uh, so back to the, back to Lena. So the quote that I thought really encompassed her vision and what I thought was so, I was kind of sad seeing how far, like what, what, what ended up happening to the Republic because her whole thing being that progress was inevitable and crucial, but was not the only goal. Mindfulness is also important choice. And that original purpose ends up being obscured by corruption and bureaucracy. And it's almost antithetical to the empire's directives and priorities too. So I thought it was really important that that got stated so clearly. Uh, I also liked it because mindfulness in itself is a concept with a pretty rich spiritual tradition and a long history, but it's only been gaining popularity in Western culture in recent decades. And so I love that it gets included in the star Wars canon now, because as we've discussed previously, like a lot of Star Wars, um, you know, story uh, and theme, uh, stories and, you know, theme and pull from a lot of these classic uh, storytelling motifs. Uh, uh, so as an example of mindfulness, I want to talk about one of my other really like favorite scenes. It's the, uh, it's the reception on the Salvation Class of Republic Medical Frigate, right? Where, uh, like, Buriaga, our Wookiee Jedi Padawan, who is 
like just so frustrated because he hates doing all of the diplomatic stuff because he's a Wookiee and no one can understand anything that he says. So he's just, but he's doing the thing he's doing. He's like dutiful Padawan. And he's like, people are trying to talk to him and he hates small talk. And, you know, but he's because of this, he's able to kind of observe the crowd. Um, and he's and very in tune with what they're feeling, all yeah. of the survivors of the legacy run. And in particular, he identifies this young boy who uh, is a survivor, probably lost his family. And uh, he thinks that the legacy run disaster is his fault because he was playing a prank and was trying to hack into the, uh, or slice into the He was one computers. of the first characters that we met in like the very first chapter. So yeah, right. the, the captain talks to him. Yeah. yeah, he's the kid that was totally trying to look up porn. <laughs> space porn totally he's but, like uh, oh, i was trying to look up space porn and then we all exploded and my parents are dead <laughs> and now he's never gonna be able to masturbate <laughs> adding adding guilt and shame to um to scarring the next the next generation of yes as if porn. circumcision wasn't enough but uh the <laughs> yeah so so like Buriaga actually kind of is able to communicate with this kid, even though, of course, they, they have language barriers and, and uh, you know, he's just sensitive enough to just kind of hand-single his way into getting this kid to talk to him. Of course, this becomes a key moment as it's the first, uh, uh, like, account that the Nihil are are part of the reason that the uh, Legacy Run um, crashes. Can I want to be hugged by a Wookiee. <laughs> Doesn't that seem like the best hug ever by a Wookiee? Having been to Galaxy's Edge, I can account for Wookiee hugs are awesome hugs. I know we have to move on, but one thing that I just want to mention real quick is in the very first chapter where we meet the senator, they have a really beautiful description of the mountain on Coruscant. Yes. Since Coruscant is such that. a huge part of Star Wars and Jedi lore and, and and how you know everything has changed everything has become futurized and mechanic me mechanicalized but this mountain has always stayed the same and this 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 I, I, it's like a black surface that surrounds the the mountain that everybody comes to the touch, right right I, I had, yeah like i had actually written about that so it's the tallest peak of the tallest mountain range on Coruscant and the peak is called Umate and it is I think the reason it's so special is because it's the only piece of bare ground that you can see right and just such a cool concept honestly. right and so and it's important to note that it is not the highest point in the city by far mm. it's not yeah. the highest point in the city by far which is uh actually the point that was right before the quote that I talked about where progress is inevitable and crucial, but not the only goal. Mindfulness is also important choice. And so she, that's the meaning that she assigns to the intentional choice to leave the mountain peak, the original part of Coruscant to include that in the architecture of the city. And that's why people touch it because it's their way of, you know, reaching out and connecting with the heart of the planet, which they've intentionally chosen to remain in touch with. And countless societies have been on this planet and they have all made this somehow this group unconscious or conscious decision to leave this one thing. To value this. Yeah. Uh, what I also liked, and, and it 
I don't know. I think it's one of the reasons she's such a powerful character, the Chancellor, because she is smart. You know, she's a dream. She dreams very, very big, but she's also not unrealistic where she says, uh, it says to the Chancellor, uh, Omate had a second meaning, a symbolism she would never voice, never speak aloud as it went against the general spirit of optimism and hope and possibility that was a cornerstone of her government and indeed the Republic itself. That meaning was this. There was nothing so big it could not be swallowed up, nothing so strong it could not be humbled, nothing so tall it could not be made small, not a mountain, not the Republic. Oh, that's a good yeah. thing to end on. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, uh, yeah. So obviously there's a lot of stuff we didn't get to. Uh, we'll we'll come back to this uh, in two more weeks when we'll hit uh, uh, part three, final uh, chapters of the book. Uh, so read along with us and we'll come back to that. Before we move on, I'm just quickly say, yes, we got to learn more about the Nihil. We got to watch uh, or not really watch, but uh, hear about uh, a whole standoff on Elfrona between some Nihil uh, trying to uh, take uh, some hostages and uh, facing off against Loden, Greystorm, Greatstorm, uh, Belzedafar, and uh, we didn't get to talk about Porter Angle. Uh, I really Aww. love that character. Um, older Jedi, we talked about Buryaga. Um, also uh, the whole, oh yeah, the botched um, uh, extortion Boston. attempt on 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 Iriadu, where Casa really screws up. Um, yeah, so a lot of great stuff in this book, um, and then we'll be excited to wrap this up um next uh, in two weeks so all of those definitely get the, the the ripple effects of all that come through so we'll definitely get to go back and touch on them and and i will definitely have to talk about porter angle because he's a fantastic character yeah uh that said so of course we are a part of a whole uh fleet of uh shows here on the Ge geekish network uh, to celebrate this new network and to honor the podcast that started it all we are giving away a pc courtesy of a good friend of the network J uh, at jeremy germ 33 on instagram uh he is uh builds pcs um he does custom workstations or gaming pcs that won't break the bank unless you want it to uh you can set the budget he'll work around it uh, premium parts with your personal flair serving the greater LA co uh, County with 20 years of an experience. And if you're in the market for a PC, you can hit him up at, at Jeremy germ 33, uh, here on Instagram. We'll put that in the chat. Also, we here at the network will be giving away a PC. And if you'd like to sign up for that giveaway and kind of check things out, we've got a beautiful PC case. It's good got lights in it it has the pen geekery logo on it and uh, you can check that out we'll put this uh uh link in the chat as well do so, we know how long that the submissions go do we know how long people have to do that i actually don't know that rodney do you can you uh, jump in and uh, give us a little <laughs> details on that on what the end deadline? Of March. It's the end of March. End of, end March. of March. Excellent. End of March. Thank you. So look that up uh, and uh, go ahead and sign up for that. It's maybe you might win a PC. Next up, we're going to move on to our next segment, and this is our our next guest, Raymond Montemayor. Uh, we're welcoming this Star Wars fan filmmaker who is the creator of a series of animated shorts called Star Wars Stories, which sorry, Star Wars Toy Stories, which combine digital effects and animations with stop motion, basic puppetry, as well as some live action. And for those of you on audio only, you can check this out on YouTube, on his YouTube channel. But for right now, let's take a look at this clip. 
coming up. Any second now. Any second. <laughs> ah, the magic of <laughs> video production. What's the plan, kid? Cassian, K2, it's time. Are you with me? Who are you? Finn. You must be Ray. Ray? My name is Ray? I'm Solo. I'm captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie, say hi. Quick, log in. For a Jedi Master. Yoda? You seek Yoda? Right. Help us welcome Raymond. Raymond holds engineering degrees from Harvey, Harvey Mudd College and UCLA and spent the first 12 years of his career as an elect electrical engineer designing integrated circuits for the telecommunications industry. In 2012, he started his freelance business, Pixelplex, where he provides design services in motion graphics, visual effects, stop motion animation, and 3D animation. A lifelong Star Wars fan, Raymond has focused his love for art and technology to produce his fan film series, Star Wars Star Wars Toy Stories. His first film, Star Wars Episode Four: A Toy Story, was nominated for Best Visual Effects at the 2015 Star Wars Fan Film Awards. His third film, Star Wars The Toys Awaken, won the awards for Best Stop Motion and Spirit of Fandom at the 2018 Star Wars Fan Awards. He is currently working on his fourth film in the series, Home, uh, Home Solo, A Star Wars Toy Story. Please welcome Raymond Montemayor. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> is this I, your quarantine hair? Yeah, this is totally the quarantine <laughs> hair. Like from the, the photos, compared to this to the photos that you've been posting on Instagram, it's like, this is like a year of hair. <laughs> I was going to say, the last time I saw you, you definitely didn't have the hair below yeah. your ears. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, 
I just decided to let it go and see what happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, yeah. So r- respect to all of you that have long hair. It's like, it's a struggle. I think I don't for know me, I can't wait to get it. What you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You can't have, you can't be on this show unless you have long hair. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, kind of the, the, the pattern here. Unspoken prereq. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's nice to meet Lexi and Andy. Uh, we haven't met before. Yeah. And uh, thanks to Tracy for uh, for inviting me on. Appreciate it. Yeah. And welcome to the show. Yeah, good to be here. Congrats on actually getting it all started. And this is like the 12th episode now, right? Or 11th or 12th? Uh, like well, that. yeah, this is our second season. We did like eight eight episodes the first season, just along mm-hmm. with side uh, Mandalorian, and uh, we're on our fifth episode now. As we're as we're going without new content so far. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. But there's going to be so much new content in the next five years. Oh my gosh, it's like the oh, yeah. I mean, the farm at this point. I mean, there's so much content, old content too. So I mean, it's you know, there's a, a good library for us to work from. Although I guess the the new novels can be considered new content, even if it's not visual. Uh, but speaking of visual content, okay, those were so fun on so many levels. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I just the attention to detail is really, really, really great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a kind of a killer to like pay that much attention, but I. Like, I can't let it go. I always have to, like, kind of uh, get everything just right. And even then, like, when I submit them to, like, the fan awards and stuff, uh, they're never what I really want them to be. I so, like, for a couple, a couple of the films, I, I went back and, like, I did my uh, special, special editions, the uh, <laughs> McClunk- McClunky editions, uh, just because I, I wasn't satisfied with how they turned out, even though, you know, um, they were good good enough but i always want to make it a little bit better if i can is that why there's a director's cut on your youtube page yeah yeah so the version yeah so you're talking about the toys awaken yeah, yeah so the ver- <laughs> so that's the film that you're in um and uh yeah the version that i sent in to lucasfilm for their fan awards i like just literally ran out of time and i wasn't able to do what i wanted so i just said you know special edition just do it so, so let's kind of go back from the beginning here. So how did you become, how did your love of Star Wars begin? Oh, well, I'm, I'm an oldie. So, <laughs> so I was around for the, let's see, when the, uh, when episode four came out, I was about three. Uh, so I grew up, you know, I grew up with the original trilogy and that started from there. And I kind of knew I was like a super fanboy back then because I would draw pictures, write my own little stories and stuff. Um, and I would, you know, collect the toys and all that stuff. Uh, and then it kind of, the original trilogy kind of, the there was the dark times before the prequel trilogy <laughs> came around. And so once when that came back, it just kind of reignited everything for me. And then, uh, yeah, I went from there. Now, before you started doing the films, I mean, were you a big toy collector already? Like, did you have all the original Kenner stuff? Or Yeah, when I was a kid, I had a decent collection of the Kenner stuff. So I had, so my prized possession was the the Millennium Falcon. Oh. And I don't know what happened to that as I was growing up. At some point, 
either we gave it away like to uh to a family friend whose young kid wanted some toys or somehow it it kind of left my possession um and as as did all of my star wars toys from when i was young and so when i got when the yeah i know when the prequels came out though i started collecting again a bit and then it kind of died off after revenge of the sith of course and then uh and then as an older adult when the sequel trilogy came around i started again because of the fan films um since toy collecting was kind of a big part of of my life growing up i wanted to uh submit for the star wars fan awards um with uh the with toys in mind so what could i do with toys um so that's that's how it all started yeah. Well, okay. So now, like, what the fan, the whole fan film movement kind of started around two thousand seven, two thousand five. Oh, maybe? the Star Wars fan film awards. They they actually started back in two thousand two, and they ran up to two thousand eleven. So they did it every year until two thousand eleven, and then after Disney bought Lucasfilm, they kind of restarted it in twenty fifteen, and they had they had one in twenty fifteen sixteen and 18 and it's been they haven't had one since 2018 mm. um but hopefully you know maybe for 2022 when when celebration comes back around they might so i'm hoping they you, uh, redo it had you ever done stop motion before you started making these films no no uh i kind of learned it on the fly so the first film so star practical. wars Oh, thanks. So the so the first film, Star Wars Episode Four, a Toy Story. I knew the story I wanted to tell. It was basically Star Wars meets Toy Story, like Pixar's Toy Story. <laughs> um, and I wanted to do it live action. Um, so the only way to make that happen is with stop motion animation. And so I just I wrote the script. I, I by the way, I had never written a script or anything, or um, tried to film make a short film. So this was my kind of first venture into that. That was your first so, fan. That was your first film ever. Yeah. I mean, I had done um, like some supporting work for some other films, like doing some small visual effect shots. Um, but it's all, it was all like post-production stuff. So this was my first kind of experience kind of doing everything from, from start to finish. And uh, so I knew the story I wanted to make. So I wrote the script and I, I started just filming all of the live action stuff. I cast a few people that, that would be willing to help me that I happened to know from doing some work. And, uh, and then it just came down to like the last week I had the stop motion to do. And I was like, okay, YouTube teach me stop motion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all the answers are in YouTube. Yeah. So, so what I got out of that, and what I submitted to the 2015 Star Wars Fan Film Awards was uh, something that was good enough where you could tell what the story I wanted to tell. And uh, the stop motion was okay. And then it got nominated for Best Visual Effects that year. So I, I considered that, you know, pretty, not, not too bad considering I didn't know what I was doing, basically. <laughs> um, so, and then just so from there, it just, not I, sure that I improved. Not sure yourself enough credit. Oh <laughs> uh, well, the same. Maybe I'm not sure you're giving yourself credit. <laughs> oh, thank you. But you probably saw the special edition version. If you, uh, so that's way better than what I submitted. And I took the <laughs> original one that I had. Uh, 
on my YouTube channel. I took it offline once that special <laughs> edition came out. It's like, uh, that's not what I want people to see. I want you to see this one. Okay, so. George. Wait, <laughs> yeah, wait, no. wait, the one that, I, the one, one that I saw down in Balboa Park, was that the director's cut or was that the original edition? That, okay, so that one was the original. Uh, oh. No, wait. Yes, that was the original one. The director's okay. cut. I actually went back and I did all the facial animations for all the scene, all the toy scenes. Um, and I, yeah, I improved the editing and sound a little bit, but it was mainly the, the facial animations for that, for that particular but do film. Do I have a bigger part? You have the same important part that you played in the original film. Although, and I, can and I... I say that, <laughs> I say that because the, one of the awards that we won was Spirit of Fandom, and that's what you were part of, like having that group, having that group at the movie theater in that last scene. That was, I think, what pushed us over the top for Spirit of Fandom. So, can I be honest all you. with you that you yeah. you said that you didn't really know what you were doing when when I went to the filming that day? I had no idea why I was there. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> I knew. So I, I, had, was, I was like, so what are we doing? <laughs> So you, you must have been recruited. Was. Yeah, you must have been recruited by Sean Mullen. Uh, maybe I don't know. I, oh, I contacted he was Sean. A Star Wars Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I contacted Sean because he was part of the SD Star Wars Society, and I said, "Hey, I'm doing a fan film. Do you know any folks that would want to be in a movie theater scene?" And then he just kind of put his feelers out, and then <laughs> somehow he helped me recruit like 30 people to show up, and you were one of them somehow. And a and, bunch of people uh, who were there who I didn't even meet until later who are now my friends. But at the oh, time, really? I didn't know it because uh, we were recruited as part of Star Wars Steampunk Universe because yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris, who does Dude Vader, it was also part of San Diego Star Wars Society. And all oh, of us yeah. were like by default members of that because we were we would do a lot of charity events with them. Yeah. But I didn't really like, I only knew Sean really as the person who was always in the Tuscan Raider head, but I had never seen his right. face <laughs> even at that point. So I literally had no idea why I was there. <laughs> and so now now that you mentioned that that kind of I'm remembering some stuff. So so I met Chris Canoli, so dude Vader, mm -hmm. um through the San Diego Star Wars Society. And then he said he would help me find a few folks, um, basically the Star Wars steampunk folks. And I said, great, uh, get, <laughs> get them on board. Love it. And uh, yeah, so yeah. So you you weren't sure what you were there for. And <laughs> when we were when we were on set at the at the micro theater, uh, I had I had uh, hired a couple guys to help me do camera operating and uh, and and gaff and all that stuff uh, and they canceled at the last minute like that morning so i really didn't know what i was doing i was i was counting on a couple of these guys to help me with the tech stuff and so i i somehow oh wow i somehow figured it out i mean i had done enough videography myself that i could get by um so i was able to grab enough shots uh, that day <laughs> even though i didn't know what i was doing and it was rushed because I only had that spot for a few hours and people had to go. And I, I remember, uh, Tracy, that you had mentioned to me that, you know, I, I really have to go. And so I was trying to rush to get me? everyone. Yeah, I remember there was something that you had to go to and you mentioned Probably. it to me. Yeah. And, then, uh, and you're not the only one. There were like a, oh, a handful oh, the of other people. Like, patterns of I wonder if we were going to a charity. We, we may have been on our way to a charity. Yeah, or something. probably. Because that yeah. was on a weekend. So you guys, 
um, you're usually doing something on the weekends for charity. So, so, so really quickly, uh, I just want to say, uh, Hello and welcome to everyone from Denise Patojas. But I'm not yeah. sure if I'm saying that right. Uh, uh, but uh, welcome to our chat. We're talking to Raymond Montemayor from. Oh, Pixel we got Flex. rated. Uh, and we got rated. Um, uh, and he is the filmmaker behind the Star Wars Toy Stories uh, uh, films that are award-winning Star Wars fan films. And uh, I have a real quick question too. So okay, yeah. so obviously you, you taught yourself how to animate stop motion. Uh, you had to quickly teach yourself how to gaff and you know and 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 on on the fly. How, how did you get into all of the digital effects or the digital animation to like do the mouth moves or any of the um, the 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 lightsaber and blaster effects and all of that? Okay, so all of the all the post production visual effects. So I I was familiar with some of that because uh, my freelance business is doing motion graphics and and visual effects. Uh, and the VFX I've done are, were for like kind of small indie stuff. So a lot of this stuff I learned just watching YouTube videos. So like the lightsaber effects, <laughs> the blaster effects, um, green screen. Um, so a lot of that was, uh, learning, uh, online. So I, I actually watched a bunch of courses on lynda.com. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff on oh. YouTube, but I, I, there was like a certain, a certain course that I wanted to, to learn. And, and then as far as the mouth animations went, I, I thought of, okay, what do I want? Uh, cause I, I couldn't animate the mouths tr the, the way that professionals do these days with, uh, mouth replacement, face replacements, they'll swap out mouths, uh, every frame. And with the toys, you can't do that. They're just whatever they are. <laughs> uh, so I knew I wanted to, do some kind of 3D animation to animate the mouths. So I just kind of figured out, okay, do some research. I knew I had to create a 3D model of each each toy that I had to talk, and then rig that and animate it, and so so you and had then to, texture it. You had to build that model yourself. It's not like you could scan it or anything, right? No, I uh, so I did scan it. It's oh, huh. a process called photogrammetry, which I learned about just trying to figure it out. What program uh, so you just is basically, that? Uh, there's a lot of uh, programs that do that. Uh, the one I used is an Autodesk software uh, called uh, Recap. But there's some free ones that you don't have to pay for that do just as good. Uh, but you basically take a bunch of photos of the object and uh, from all different angles. And the software is smart enough to stitch together a mesh that represents that 3D, uh, that 3D object. And then I had to go go in and uh, a lot of technical stuff, but basically, uh, re they call it retopologize because what comes out of that thing isn't usable. So I have to I had to retopologize it, rig it so the mouth could move or the eyes blink and all that, and then match move it to to what I filmed and animate the mouth. And it, so it's it's just so I was able to pick it up. So anyone can do it if you know if you've got the kind of the patience and the desire to do it. Anyone can do it. I just figured out where to look and and I was able to to do it. So yeah, a lot of great resources on the internet. Did you know that Linda isn't a thing anymore? They got bought out by LinkedIn Learning. Yeah. Yep. It's too bad. But I mean, at least all of the coursework <laughs> is still there. But yeah, it's it's yeah. I'm did sure you, Linda made off with a a hand. Uh, handful of money. So. Do you recognize what I'm wearing? You probably don't. Oh, BB-8? Looks like yeah, a BB-8. 
This is what I wore to the uh, to the film festival in Balboa Park. Oh yeah. Oh, awesome. Nice. So you're welcome. Think, thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm glad you made it to that. Uh, I thought I was going to be all alone there, but uh, you guys made and you know you really turned out. So I appreciate the support. That was a lot of fun. That was the first chance I'd had to see the film. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, uh, on a big screen, so that's nice. On a, yeah, and that guy ghosted me like like less than a week later. So <laughs> screw that guy. Oh no! <laughs> but he took a really good picture of our group. So. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. So, he was a douche. <laughs> <laughs> so so. But his fact, name was Luke, so it was kind of great in that way. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> So, so that whole process of going through the um, through the uh, the Star Wars fan film awards process and all that, like, what was that like? Did you get to engage with uh, folks from Lucasfilm or any of the 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 jury uh, or, or anything? Uh, no, it was it was really hands off. So, so what you do is you submit your stuff online, and you can download all the rules online. And if you have questions, you just basically email someone and hope they get back to you. Um, and once you're selected as a finalist, then, then someone gets, uh, is in more constant contact with you because you need to fill out release forms and, and, uh, release forms for the people in your film. And, uh, and in particular for these 2018 Star Wars fan awards, um, they did that online on the Star Wars show. So they let us submit right. like little thank you videos and stuff. So there was some contact there, but uh, during the, the making of the film, there was very little contact. I had a handful of questions and just got those answered by email. So, and they were fairly quick about it. So I, I can't complain. I mean, I, 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 I'm always just intrigued because I mean, I remember when uh, Lucasfilm first started this and it was such a big deal for them to acknowledge. Like, I mean, I remember like what the, the first major fan film that came out was probably what tr troops, um, um, oh yeah. Back in, uh, Kevin Rubio, I think 97 yeah. is when it came out. And, and, uh, the, just the fact that Lucasfilm was acknowledging, uh, all these yeah. fan film, uh, things, it was just such a cool thing and compare that to like now where, you know, for those of us who are also Star Trek fans and just kind of the, um, kind of, uh, somewhat hostile relationship that CBS yeah. Paramount has. Was it Axios? Their... Ax Axanar, Ax I Axanar. Axanar. Yeah, but, they, um, um, yeah, George Lucas, when he was, when he was uh, the owner of Lucasfilm, he was very fan-friendly and he encouraged fan films. He loved it. And I think that the but yeah, you couldn't show his were... movie anywhere. Like even for a charity event, he'd like shut it down or sue you. It was a weird oh, okay. thing. Maybe, Maybe mm -hmm. not in that regard, uh, <laughs> but, but for the fan films, um, he was very encouraging and, uh, and the fact that they had fan film awards for like yeah. almost a decade with him was great. And even now with Disney taking over, um, it's pretty, still pretty friendly. Uh, there is no, uh, even for people that don't submit to the fan film awards and make their own fan films and just publish them on YouTube. Um, I think Disney and Lucasfilm are pretty hands off. They just kind of turn a blind eye. And I think they, they realize that it's, it's good for the fandom, good for the brand to have fans so engaged that they want to make their own films. And it, it keeps 
kind of the excitement for Star Wars, I think, alive for a lot of people. I mean, for that matter, I mean, I remember there was a time, though, too, when it was like, you know, there were some of these fan film makers who just ended up getting hired by Lucasfilm, right? I mean, yeah, in those early days. Yeah, actually, Kevin Rubio, the guy who did Troops, he he got hired by Lucasfilm. Yeah. Um, So he worked on I believe he worked on Clone Wars and he wrote the uh, the Tag and Binks comic. He was the writer of that. Yeah, Yeah, um, but yeah, it's yeah, I I think a handful of people really took off with it in terms of their careers. So it's it's kind of a good thing. What's great is that it's like no one hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans and they complain about it so much. (laughs) So you can say, okay, you know what? Let's see if you can do better. Make your own film. (laughs) You give it a try. Exactly. Um, so we're we've got uh, some time left. Uh, uh, so what else? So tell us about what you're working on right now. Like obviously we, we see the um, you have some of the behind the scenes videos and and stuff. But um, you have an, uh, another film coming up soon. Yeah. So I'm so I, I've been working on the fourth film for a long time now. Um, so this uh, so the three films I have are kind of a series. They're all connected in some way. Um, they've got the same the same characters kind of throughout. Uh, and this fourth one is going to continue with that. So it's called Home Solo, a Star Wars Toy Story. <laughs> so just think Star Wars meets Toy Story, which all the other films are, and meets Home Alone. And that's kind of what I'm going for is <laughs> that the Home Alone uh, premise. And so you can imagine, okay, what could it be? And it's uh, it's about someone breaking into a house like in Home Alone. Kids are at home. <laughs> the parents aren't there. And the toys come to the rescue. Oh, so that's, awesome. that's, that's where the twist is. So it's uh, the toy story comes in that way. Um, but it's, uh, so it should be fun. It's really a story about the certain characters that I have in there. And uh, yeah, so I've been talking about it. I think since that film festival that you went to Tracy mm. uh, in 2019, I, that's when I had the kind of the, the, uh, beginning ideas for it and then i have written the script and i've even i've even uh, recorded a bunch of the the dialogue for the toys with uh i was able to get jamie costa um to do a, a han, han solo uh, and uh several other characters which i won't reveal but han solo is a big one Excellent. and uh a few of my other voice actors um that normally help me have recorded a bunch of stuff and i've recorded a few a few stop motion scenes, um, but it's, you'd think it would be easier to, to work on it now the way I film because I, uh, a lot of my setting is in my own house. <laughs> um, and I've been stuck at home for, for quarantine. Right. <laughs> so the, the only, uh, the only thing is uh, my daughters are, have been stuck at home too. They're doing their distance learning. So they've yeah. got their two setups in the house <laughs> and then, and we got a a dog since since that film festival, so he's got his own area. Aww. So all the spots that I want to film at are occupied by <laughs> desks and books and dogs, and uh, so it's it's a little tough uh, to get some of the stuff filmed. But I'm kind of pushing forward as as much as I can. That's um, the thing but, you you have these actors that you use, but you didn't mention that you have produced some of your actors as well because they're your daughters. Oh it's right, yeah, yeah. daughter, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so cute. Yeah, my daughters, my daughters, Malia, uh, who's eleven now, and Nora, who's nine, are 
are helping me out with these films. So Malia is the one who was at the movie theater filming her scenes. Yep. And, and if you Ray, remember, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you remember, we filmed that in April 2016. And I didn't finish the film that was until five years ago. Yeah. Oh my God. And I, didn't, I didn't finish the film. So she's probably until... a whole head taller by Which now. Which daughter right? is the one that's like in the toy store? Oh. Yeah. No, that's the thing, though, is that she was all she was like a head taller. So your your younger daughter had to. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I I filmed about I think most of the shots in 2016. And then I had to put that project on hold for various reasons. I picked it back up in 2018 when I found out Lucasfilm was restarting the, the fan awards. So I my daughter Malia was like way too too tall she's she grew out of the part definitely so definitely. i had to, I had oh, to use that's my hysterical i had to use my younger daughter nora to fill in and finish the shots that malia couldn't finish <laughs> so we filmed it in a way that you don't directly see nora's face um so just kind of clever editing and uh and we were able to get it done but yeah they they both were in that film malia was also in the previous film the rogue one and then for uh, since Nora only played kind of a body double part, she said, <laughs> I want, I want my own part. Can you, <laughs> can I be in the next one? Love so, that. so she's the reason I'm doing another one is she really wants oh. to be like have her own part. So, mm -hmm. so I wrote the film with her in mind. So she's got her own oh. character. She's her own person in this uh, next one. And, uh, Emily is in it as well. But, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, looking forward to filming those shots with them when uh, when we can. Uh, it might have to be during the summer for the live action <laughs> shots. I'm not sure. And we'll see how tall they are then. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so um, with each film, like every filmmaker tries to one up themselves. What are you trying to do uh, like to one up yourself with this film? Like what's like the most challenging or most like thing that's like you're most proud of? Oh, well. That's a good question. So I'm always trying to improve my animation. That's kind of important for me is to, if you look at my first film and second film, so Star Wars, a toy story and the rogue one, there was kind of a, like a quantum leap in, in production quality. Cause I invested in some stop motion or um, motion control gear to help me with ah. a lot of the shots. And just my technique has improved over time. And then when I did the, as I've been going back and and uh, updating my films, I've just been getting better at some of the uh, techniques. So for this next one, um, how am I going to one up? Um, I think it's just in terms of the volume of animation I'm going to do. Like in all my other films, you see at most maybe three characters interacting at a time of the, the toy characters. Uh, so in this one, there's going to be kind of a big scene towards the end, which I won't spoil, but there's going to be a lot of different toys that are coming to the rescue. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be, I don't know how epic you can get with toys, but it'll be more epic than the previous, previous film. So, um, and, and I also want to inject a little bit more comedy in this one, uh, since it's going to be kind of a home alone type type story. So I'm hoping to, we'll see how it turns out, but I'm hoping to, to make it kind of funny um, and enjoyable, even though the girls are in peril, but get that same vibe <laughs> that you, that same vibe that you have in Home Alone where you've got Kevin and you're rooting for him and he's a charming kid and 
and you've got comedy with the burglars. So hopefully, hopefully I can pull it off, but we'll see. If you, if you get the uh, slapstick to precociousness ratio, right. you should. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Yeah. So I've I've been watching home. Do you have any Mandalorian related uh, ideas for the future? Potentially. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, So actually for home solo, I rewrote a bit of it so that I can include some of the characters from that show as kind of like a little cameo, (laughs) Um, which I think, I think it'll be a crowd pleaser, but we'll see. Um, But there's i I've got, even though I'm not even close to done with this film, I have another one in mind after this, that, that Nora will be really the main character in that one. Uh, In home solo, Malia and Nora are kind of equal partners. This next one will focus mainly on Nora. And uh, in that one, I'm hoping to bring in more, uh, more Mandalorian and more Clone Wars and Rebels. Oh. Um, uh, there'll be a bit of that in this film, but uh, the one thing that that my kids and I did over this last year, being stuck at home a lot, is kind of watch all the Star Wars. <laughs> and even though you know they've been in my fan films, but they hadn't seen any Star Wars until this about a year ago, like when wow. the pan- pandemic started. So wow. I was waiting for, for Nora to be kind of old enough to handle some of the violence and, you know, the mild violence in, in Star Wars. So I thought, okay, once we were in quarantine, it was kind of the perfect time. So we watched all the movies straight through. And then we went and watched Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, and then Mandalorian. So now they're all versed in all of that. And their favorite is... Clone Wars and Ahsoka is a favorite character. So I want to put, I want to put, I want to put their love of Star Wars in, in that film, the fifth film, if I, hopefully I get to that point and do something interesting with the, um, the animated stuff. So Kevin's we'll, uh, we'll saying see. that Jaw was throwing junk over the railing at people would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I might actually have. I might have a scenario that where that could happen. So hey. I, I might have to credit Kevin for that. <laughs> so we're speaking uh, of I'm which, coming up. We're, oh, we're com- speaking of which, you are, uh, I, I was very surprised to discover that I had a second IMDb credit thanks to you. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. for years now, my, my claim to fame has been that I have one single IMDb credit <laughs> as a bloody nipple. And <laughs> I went to show somebody and I was like, two credits? What do I have yep. a second credit for? Yeah. And it was Star Wars: A Toy Story. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'm, so I'm we're, uh, yeah, so so we're coming up on the end of our time here for today. Just uh, want to just give you one more opportunity. Uh, both, how has all of this work on Star Wars: Toy Stories affected your actual work? Um, like, have you found some of these skills applicable to some of the other projects you're doing? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Oh well, the stop motion in particular. Um, after I had done stop motion for a bit invested in some of the hardware to help me improve it i actually got some uh some freelance jobs doing stop motion um so so that that uh actually directly affected uh, my business it was for uh, doing stop motion for some uh baby products so like uh, baby carriers um and those kind of those kind of products um and just in general kind of a I've gotten a little bit of exposure locally in San Diego. So um, it's helped me 
kind of connect with other folks in the industry down here. And uh, just personally, it's, it's afforded me different things. Like I, I had the opportunity to go to the premiere for the rise of Skywalker in Hollywood um, because of the fan film. Um, I got to like at celebration 2019 in Chicago, I got interviewed on stage by Anthony Carboni for the star Wars show live. So that was like kind of cool, like talking to them and being backstage. And that was all because of the fan film. Like it, I was able to wiggle my way into these opportunities because of that. So it's, and, and just meeting like um, all the folks from star Wars, steampunk, San Diego, star Wars society. So I've been making a lot of friends um, just making the film. So um, that's been, been a treat. So yeah, it's, it's really, you haven't been with me when we've been at a convention and we've gone in to vote for Raymond's films, or was that just Nathan who was I think with it me? was just Nathan. I don't think I was. <laughs> I always well, go in and then vote for Raymond's films. Uh, and I appreciate that. So I went, I won a few of those. So I appreciate it. Uh, so if uh, people would like to find you on social media or check out your YouTube, oh, right. where can they find that? Right. So on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, look for at Star Wars Toy Stories. And on Twitter, it's SW Toy Stories. And uh, on all those platforms, if you look for at Pixelplex, you'll find me as well for my freelance business. And uh, if you go to, I have a fan film page. It's called StarWars.Pixelplex.com. And there you'll find everything about my fan films and what's coming up next. You'll see the trailers the effects breakdowns and the films themselves are you can find on there. So yeah. And like, and subscribe yeah. <laughs> trying to get to a slowly creep towards a thousand subscribers to unlock ah. certain YouTube feature, features. So uh, if you're out there, please subscribe. Yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight, Raymond. Uh, hopefully we'll have you back sometime, maybe sometime after you uh, complete the next film. And we can talk about that one then. Uh, really quickly, I'd like to thank our new followers: uh, Drink Water for the Boys, Estonian Knight, uh, Unicorn Flames, and Shine, uh, Shiner God. Uh, we'll also just do another thanks to Denise Pentoha for the raid. Uh, also, we're going to be raiding Circe at uh, CVW220. Um, so we're going to move on here. Uh, do we have any other squad reports? Reports from the galaxy, Tracy? Uh, only that I have to pee. <laughs> okay, that's tradition now. Uh, so coming so up next week uh, on March 13th, we will be continuing our Clone Wars rewatch. The Essential Mandalore watch list run, uh, will be looking at Clone Wars episode 212 through 214, The Duchess of Mandalore, and then we'll have some uh, extra credit. Uh, you don't have to watch these. We won't just touch on this, but episode 305 and 306, Corruption on Mandalore, uh, but really want to focus on the Duchess of Mandalore uh, uh, arc. Um, we'll talk yes, about Obi-Wan. McGregor get his heart ripped out again. Yes. <laughs> Or, or, or J. Arnold Taylor uh, in, in place of uh, Ewan McGregor. Um, also, uh, yeah, we'll have another guest that we'll announce later on this week once we confirm that. Uh, in two weeks on March 20th, we'll come back and finish the High Republic Book Club reading the final uh, part three, chapters 36 through 44, and we'll 
wrap up that whole thing with the uh, the Star Wars High Republic, uh, Light of the Jedi. Also, we want to see all of your Star Wars creations. Do you cosplay, make fan films, build droids, build models, sell stuff on Etsy? Show us your Star Wars stuff. We want to see how Star Wars inspired you, and we just might feature you here on the show like Raymond. Uh Thank you for joining us tonight. We're here on the Geekish Network every Saturday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Please follow Geekish Network here on Twitch and subscribe to the channel. If you have Amazon Prime, you can also link your account and sub to us using Prime Gaming. Also, check all the schedules for all the other great shows here uh, throughout the week. This Monday, the flagship show Plan Geekery will be covering Raya and the Last Dragon that is out on Disney+, and also the season finale of WandaVision, also on Disney+. We'll be joined by AJ Raphael, who's a streamer and YouTube, back from the old days of YouTube, uh, uh, singer, songwriter, musician, and very talented performer. Uh, thanks to the flight deck to Mike and Rodney, also Digital Click. They specialize in digital marketing, marketing, design, and social media advertising. Find them at digitalclick.com. And we are the Pod Squadron. Please check out our content on podsquadron.com. Like and subscribe on Twitch and YouTube. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram for podcast subscriptions. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, on your favorite podcast app. I am Chinese Pirate. You can find me at Chinese Pirate underscore on all platforms. We're already rated. We're not on anymore. Oh, we're not. Were you going to tell me? <gasps> I, well, you're in the. I, I. I got it. Oh. Was... <laughs> I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh, Great well, job, thanks, guys, for, for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah. For